chapter 8, there's an incident of an evangelist. Now, an evangelist is someone that's really gifted of Jesus to speak about him. We're all called to be evangelists, but some people have a particular gift. And uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, something begins to take place. And we get to the... uh, I'll go through the story in a moment, but we get to a point in the story where it says, Philip... And by the way, it wasn't me, I'm not that old. But, um, but Philip the Evangelist, some of you even doubt it, you know, but it wasn't me. But Philip the Evangelist began to open up the Bible to the man that was asking him questions. And he says these words, he told him the good news about Jesus. And there's a verse in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, many things happen that can still speak to us today. And there was a city in the Old Testament called Samaria, and it was surrounded by an enemy tribe coming down from Syria, coming down from the north. And it was completely besieged. And the people were running out of food. And it seemed terrible. It seemed as though everybody was going to starve to death. And there was a prophet. That's a man that speaks things about God and sees things that nobody else can see. He says, don't worry. Tomorrow, there's going to be plenty of foods in the city. And lots of the people laughed at him and said, you're crazy. How's that going to happen? Well, that night, God came amongst the enemy tribe and caused such terror and fear that they all scarpered, they all ran for him. And there were four people that suffered from leprosy. And in the Old Testament, if you suffered from the disease of leprosy, you became a, a social outcast. You used to live on the outside of the city. And these four people said, we might as well go to this enemy tribe because we're going to die anyway. And so they arrived at the enemy camp, probably expecting to be killed. But when they got there, there was nobody there. Apart from all the food that they wanted, and all the riches that they wanted, and all the wealth that they wanted. They thought, this is amazing. And then they said, this is a day of good news. And we're keeping it to ourselves. And it's not right. So the next thing they did is they broke protocol and went back to the city. And spoke to the people and said that the word that Elisha had spoken the day before has come true and all the people had more than sufficient and God gave a mighty deliverance to his people it's a day of good news and it's not right that we're keeping it to ourselves. I mean if you receive good news what do you want to do you want to tell other people about it if you've passed your driving test and all good drivers pass the driving test the second time don't they <laughs> but if you pass your driving you want to tell people about it if you've got some brilliant grades in your, in your GCSEs or your A-levels, you want to tell people about it. If you're getting married, you want to tell people about it. All these things. Good news. And as Andy and the band have led us tonight, they've reminded us that actually the greatest good news message in all of the earth is that God so loved us. Even when we got it wrong, even when we didn't even think about him, he so loved us that he invaded the world in Jesus if we look at Jesus, he shows us what God's like. And Jesus lived on this earth a perfect life and died for us and rose again. And today, 2,000 years after he came to the earth, he's still changing people's lives. Do you realize that this is taking place all over the world today, thousands and thousands of times, with people coming to Christ and finding him? And if we found the good news, it's not right that we should keep it to ourselves. And so we're a church that likes to get the good news out there. We like to create services that people can come to. 
and feel as though they can go on a journey of faith. We're a church that says hello to new people. Isn't that amazing? But go to some churches. Hello. In fact, there was a lady in our church that became a Christian. She didn't become a Christian until she was nearly 40. And she went to a church. Don't worry, it's not near here. In fact, it was in Nottingham. Ooh. <laughs> she went in and says, I've just become a Christian. I'm new to this church. Would somebody sit with me? And the lady steward says, Oh, don't know about that. We never get any new people in our church. Oh. You can imagine she sort of wasn't too keen about going back. So we try and create opportunities. We get young people in our church. Because we believe, friends, as Ellen's leaving the kids' church now with the team and young people at Universal and becoming part of Sunday, that Jesus is for everybody. He's not just for old people. He's for everybody. So we try and get the good news out there. We try and do different events through the year. We try and have special occasions. We try and say to people, we have people come to the church and say, I'm not ready yet to become a Christian. That's okay. You can go on a journey. And you can keep coming. And you can keep letting God just speak to you and open your heart and show you how that he loves you and cares for you. We're not going to say, well, I'll tell you what then, don't bother coming again if that's what your attitude is going to be. You're welcome. It's a day of good news. And we want to put it out there. And so this story, well, it's an amazing story. Because Philip, the evangelist, is preaching to crowds. Now, let me let you into a secret. Terry Atkins is not here tonight. But evangelists love crowds. Oh, the, the bigger, the better. They love a crowd. They love some fish to go out. And so Philip's preaching to crowds in Samaria. Incredible things are taking place. You can read about it in the book of Acts. There were people getting saved. There were people being healed. There were people that were troubled by dark powers being set free. It was amazing. And then the Holy Spirit whispered to Philip and says, You know what, Philip? There's a man. He's a very important man. He's gone to Jerusalem to sort of worship me, but he's not really found me. And he's coming back from Jerusalem with his chariot and his cavalcade and all his people around him. And he's going back to Ethiopia. And I'd like you to leave the crowds and go and talk to one person. Ooh. Ooh, I don't know about that. I like the crowds, Lord. But Philip was obedient in responding to the Lord. And so he goes to the desert place. And he meets up with this man that's on the road back from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. This man is a very important official in the government of Ethiopia. He says that he was in charge of all the treasury. Now, this week, I don't know whether it's interesting or not, but we've had the budget. No, he's not interested yet. Okay, but, um, but we've had the budget. And, you know, he's told us how much money he's going to be taking off us or giving to us. And, and uh, you know, he says, I'm not giving any sweetness for the election. His name's George Osborne. He's the Chancellor of the Exchequer. He's in charge of all the finances of the country. Well, this is what this guy was. He, he, that was his equivalent job in Ethiopia, ancient Ethiopia. And the fact of the matter is that he was searching and seeking, and God saw his searching heart. And he may be that tonight you're here, and you're actually saying, I'm not sure why I'm here. I, I've sort of come, and I, it's a bit surreal. I don't even know why I'm here. You're here because you're searching. 
You're here because there's something in your heart that hasn't yet been satisfied and it can only be met by God. And so Philip leaves the crowds and comes alongside this man. This man who had gone to Jerusalem to worship. But how many of you know that you don't find God in a place, you find him in a person? You see, sometimes people say, oh, I need to find God. Let me go to the most churchy building I can find. It's got to be York Minster. It's got to be the cathedral in Nottingham. It's got to be one of these fancy buildings that looks like a church. It doesn't look like a club or a snookle, but a proper church. And of course, God's got some wonderful people in those expressions of traditions of church. And it's wonderful. I was privileged just last week to be in a meeting with Archbishop John Santamo. What a wonderful man who loves to share the good news of Jesus. Amazing. But the thing is, you can go to a place, whether it looks like a church or not, and if all you're thinking about is the place, you're going to miss something. It's not about a place. It's about a person. And so he'd been all the way to Jerusalem, and he says that he went to worship God, but he clearly not found him. Because on the way back, he's reading what we call the Old Testament of the Bible. He's reading from Isaiah. It's a, it's a chapter that we'll often read on Good Friday because it's known as the chapter of the suffering servant, Isaiah 53. Philip arrives alongside. Hey, oh, where you come from? Well, I sort of, um, <coughs> sort of God sent me. All right. Um, do you understand what you're reading? No, I don't. I'm reading about somebody, but I don't understand. He said, well, would you sort of like me to come alongside to help you? Um, yeah, that would be really good. And we come to our verse. Then Philip, oh, they love to tell people about Jesus, you see, jumped into the chariot and began to speak to the man, this important man in charge of all the finances of Ethiopia. And he began to share with him the good news. And as they traveled along the road, he clearly made a decision. Because he says, look, here's water. What does stop me from being baptized? And they stopped the chariot, and both Philip and the Ethiopian went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Job done, Philip. You go back to the crowd now, but I've won one. And ancient Ethiopian history records that this man was known as the first evangelist of Ethiopia. Isn't that incredible? Philip spoke to him, and by the time he got back to his nation, he was telling everybody else about the good news of Jesus. And he's changed life on the road, where this crazy guy came alongside the chariot and began to talk to him about the Lord. <coughs> So well, that's all well and good, but what's that got to do with me? Well, it's got everything to do with you. You see, because God loves crowds. He wants churches to grow and enlarge and have an influence in their community. He really does. He wants them to be salt and light. But he always deals in ones. And he loves crowds, but he loves you. He goes to thousands, but he goes to one. And tonight, that good news message, after Jesus had risen from the dead and, and gone back to the Father's right hand, and here's his people implementing the message, just as today, God comes and speaks the good news 
of the Lord. In the original language of the New Testament, it was written in a different language, written in Greek, and the word for good news is euangelion, or it, it, it interprets evangel, but it means or gospel. But gospels, are, what does that mean? It means good news. You turn on the telly tonight to watch the news, bad news. You read the paper tomorrow, however you read it, bad news. Somebody else has died, somebody else has been murdered, somebody else has been robbed. But the Bible is full of good news. And let me just remind you that the good news is to be proclaimed, is to be shared. In fact, it's to be shared with every person. And Jesus told him, and someone says this, cry the gospel with your life. The, the gospel, the good news is to be shared. And we seek to do that, albeit falteringly and failingly in our church on a regular basis, sharing the good news that God loves people and he draws them to, to himself. He said, well, he couldn't love me. There's so many failures in my life, so many mistakes, broken relationships, things I've done wrong, things I've thought, things I've said that I'm really ashamed of. Yeah, and it's all called sin or wrong. And the good news is that God wants to just wipe and wash all that away and give us a brand new start in Jesus. It's good news to be proclaimed, and it's also good news to be proclaimed to all people. You see, this guy was different. It's almost certain, for instance, that he had a different colored skin to fill in. He was different in terms of other aspects of his life that are revealed in the Bible that we won't go to tonight. But he was different to the man that was speaking to him. And here's the beauty of the good news. It's a wonderfully, radically inclusive message that reaches out to everybody. The good news is to be proclaimed. The good news is to be proclaimed to all people. And the good news is to be proclaimed to all people by all of the church. And that's where we come in, all of us. In the office tomorrow, in the school, in the hospital ward, on the factory floor. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. No, we're not saying you've got to preach. And we're not saying you've got to go in with your big black thing tomorrow and sort of... But you literally can be the good news. Just by your, how you live. Just by it spilling out of you. The good news. Something different about you. And I know there are Christians here tonight that have the rip taken out of them at times. But also those moments when people find you. Not in the crowd, but in the quietness of the one-on-one. -on -one. So will you pray? Will you pray for my mum who's got cancer? Will you pray for my situation at home? It's desperate. Will you pray for my son? He needs help at school. And you're the good news. You see, the Bible says, how shall people hear unless we tell them? And how shall we tell them unless we bear the good news? And there's a sense tonight where every one of us that have found Jesus can be a preacher to others. And we never even have to stand on a pulpit. And so we close. And we come to a place tonight of baptism. And in our tradition here in Arena Church, we believe in what we call believers' baptism. In other words, people have made a commitment to follow Jesus in their adult understanding and now want to follow him in baptism. The Ethiopian being baptized is a classic example that baptism is not about completeness, it's about beginnings. The very 
hour he became a Christian. He got baptised. He probably wasn't holy enough or perfect enough or knew theology enough. But he knew that he wanted to express his followership of Jesus. And tonight, the people that are being baptised have not been to a school of theology to prepare to share their little story with you. They're people that have simply stepped into faith in simplicity. Have known a change has taken place in their lives. And are saying before this public group tonight that they want to follow Jesus all their days. That's amazing. And what is baptism? Well, there's nothing magic in the waters. It's positively tropical, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I tell you some stories about baptisms when the heat has not worked, and oh my word. But that's beautiful, and I'm going in, so that's nice. And um, but what is baptism? Well, it's simply an expression outwardly of something that's taken place in our hearts. We've responded to Jesus. We've heard his call over our life. We've asked him to forgive us of all the things we've done wrong. And to give us a new start. And so tonight baptism speaks about obeying the command of the Lord. He was baptized. And he says we ought to follow in his example. He speaks about dying. Maybe that word ought to be in inverted commas. Not literal death. Believe me, we're not going to hold anybody down until they, until they expire. But spiritual death. As we go down into the waters. And momentarily go under the surface and then come up again. We really are exemplifying that we're dying to the old life and living to the new. Now, those of us that are Christians around the room still know that the old life still gives us some issues at times. But the heart and passion is that we die to it. We leave it there and we rise to the new life in Jesus. And that's the very heart of baptism, Romans chapter 6. And then he said, open declaration to the church. If, if I can say this without sounding freaky tonight, not just to this church, but to all the church, and to the cloud of witnesses that sit on from on high that have gone on before us, say, yeah, there's another group at Mansfield tonight getting baptized. And they sit in the grandstands cheering us on. And he speaks to the heavens tonight that people want to belong to him. So it's an amazingly powerful declaration of new found faith and in a moment people are going to be baptized they're going to just share a little bit of a story and a declaration of their faith and I really want you to stay with them and encourage them and to be part of what they're doing as we rejoice in people finding the Lord so friends tonight let's continue to share the good news let's continue to share the good news with all people and let's continue to share the good news to all of the people by all of the people. So that many, many more people will come to a place and come to an understanding and come to a faith that Jesus is alive, that he can become their personal Lord and Savior, change them forever, and we'll have many, many more evenings just like this. Let's pray.